0: Hello everybody, Mitch Michaels here. It's time for another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. Hope you're enjoying this Friday, September 8th, 2017. And It's time for football season. College football now had their official week one. We're going to talk with Bradford Bruns about what went down in week one and some big, big tilts at night. Ohio State, Oklahoma, USC, Stanford, Auburn, Clemson. Week two is going to be a good one. going to be great to catch up with Bradford, but first up, Talking to Ryan Soles about the start of the NFL season. We look at each division, make our playoff, and Super Bowl picks. It's going to be good. Talking football again. Football is back. This is an all football show. This is the Money Mitch Effect. And let's start right now. Alright, football is back. Money Mitch Effect here. And it's time now to talk to friend of the program reoccurring guest ryan souls as we don in a new season the 2017 football campaign which kicks off tonight at the time of this recording ryan thanks for joining the program again and it is football season
1: man it's the most wonderful time of year i'm happy to be here i'm happy to be kicking it off with you and let's go uh let's get it for another nfl season I think part
0: of it is that summer ends. Summer, you know, it's a great time of year, but it's the lull in the sports here. So we're we're ready for football because we've been missing sports, uh, a lot of drama in the sports team, But also, you kind of need something to get you through what's coming up, and that's fall, winter. I mean, I know it's a little different for you in Chicago, but you know, we need football to get us through the uh, the winter months and the fall months ahead.
1: Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I think we need football 365 days a year.
0: Well, yeah. I don't know if the players' uh, collective bargaining agreement would go for that. But, uh... Oh, no.
1: No, I don't think they go for that either.
0: <laughs> but uh, we're going to do what we always do. It's tradition between the two of us. We did this last year on the show uh, previewing the NFL season. We'll go division by division, share some thoughts. And at the end of the show, once we've made it through, all eight divisions, we will give some outrageous picks, which in my case can't go any worse than they did last year. So with that in mind, Ryan, let's start with the AFC East, which let's is fascinating again because you have the Patriots, who are the standard in the NFL. You also have two teams in the Bills and the Jets, who basically punted on the 2017 season. So I know there are no sure things in the game of football, but this has to be New England's division. Is there any, any reasonable reason... That I should think otherwise
1: I really can't see even With an injury I think New England Could win this division I just think From top to bottom they're just so much better Than everyone else in this in this division So I think this will be an easy win for the Patriots and uh, it, I think there'll still be some good football to be played Because these teams play each other Tough in the division that's, that's the beauty About football but I think the Patriots Are going to run away with the division uh, Probably pretty early
0: it's weird that we're starting to see more basketball level tanking going mm-hmm. on, and and I get it because the Jets are in transition. The Bills appear to be that way as well. Although I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know why they just gave got rid of Darby, <laughs> a twenty five year old cornerback. Right, that's that, got that makes good, no sense. Some good football ahead of him, but okay, you want to build towards the future. You know, I get that you're in Tom Brady's division as well, and I do want to give credit to the Dolphins because they made the playoffs last year. Uh, we'll get to them in a second. So, th- But the Dolphins aren't going to be that bad. The thing with the Patriots that you know it, blo- it blows you away the consistency and it's top down in that organization. It's not just Brady and Belichick. They've accumulated a lot of good players that fit their role uh, and also their ability to overcome injuries. We, we've seen it uh-huh. time and time again, Ryan, but I want to just play devil's advocate for a second. The division we all think is a sure thing, but if we're talking about legitimate chances to repeat, which they obviously have and they – have arguably more talent than last year. I do think that the Edelman injury will be felt. You can obviously say that they have weapons. It's Brady. They'll make it work, which I think is true. But Brady talked about a a trust, a level of uh, trust between a quarterback and his receiver that him and Edelman built up. I think Mm -hmm. this may affect them in bigger games. I don't know when it will get them, but I think they will have a little bit of a fallback, maybe right out of the gate. We're having to build up some relationships with receivers like Doug Dorsett, who they traded for, and Brandon Cooks, who's now on this team.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think right out the gate, uh, it could hurt a little bit, but I think it'll be fine. I think this this team and this offense has really been built off. Um, I mean, you would almost call it a West Coast offense on steroids. I mean, they they really... Don't throw many routes past 10, 12 yards. And Edelman is so great because he's so good in space. But I think they have a lot of receivers. They can get open in space. And I think the way the Patriots pack is I think the way they run their organization. It's always next man up. And I mean, I think that's literal around there. If there is a drop off, I wouldn't be surprised because I think that's natural. But if there isn't, I wouldn't be surprised either.
0: Yeah, Cooks was a great addition. You know, you you have to part with picks to get a talent like him. I think we'll assume that that works. You know, Malcolm Mitchell got put on IR today. It makes sense why they traded Brissette for a guy like Dorsett, who may pan out, he may not. It's not something they're counting on. But you still have some options there. You have Gronk back, which we'll see. But to me, Ryan, the biggest thing with this team is defense. They've got a little bit of a revamped defense. It looks like the talent is better than it was a year ago. I know they won the Super Bowl, but they relied on their offense a lot, including in that Super Bowl game. So we'll see what the defense looks like as well. But I did see the interesting comparison between them and the this version of the Patriots 2017 and the 07 Patriots. I'm not mm-hmm. quite there yet. <laughs> I, I think this will be a no. great team, but I'm not quite in that school of thought just yet.
1: You know, I'm not there yet, and I think – you know, there is only one Randy Moss factor mm-hmm. uh, that Walker, you could have. And Welker. Yeah, absolutely, too. and Welker, uh, especially, you know, having them on the same side on opposite sides. But I think this team, I think, is a little more, seems to be a little more diverse than that 0-7 team. And, you know, unless Brandon Cooks just turns into this ultimate deep, deep thread and he catches, you know, 15, 16 touchdowns, which I doubt Randy Moss caught 23, I think. That that uh, Patriots Super Bowl miss year, uh, barely where they barely lost. But I think this team has a little, a lot more options just because Bill Belichick just seems to always be loaded at receivers with you know Chris, the Chris Hogan's of the world.
0: Yeah, that's another um, one
1: too. Right, right. So I think not to even call him a one trick pony in two thousand and seven, but you know, but no Randy Moss factor. You know, as good as Brandon Cooks is, he ain't Randy Moss, and it still forces you to open up your offense a little bit.
0: Yeah, a lot more bodies in the backfield, too, for this team. Mm-hmm. With Gillis, I love that signing. Rex Burkhead can contribute in short yard situations. Deion Lewis is back. James White, I mean, the lists go on and on. There's a lot of toys for Tom Brady to play with uh, mm-hmm. on this team. And and lastly, on this division, Ryan, the Dolphins, bullish on their playoff chances. I know they, they made it last year. Tannehill was a quarterback, not the best option, but they did get the job done under Adam Gase's first year. They bring back Jay Cutler, they bring Jay Cutler out of a, a brief retirement. A lot of the same pieces are there. I'm in the school of thought that I'm not expecting Cutler to be the savior, but I don't think he'll be any worse than Ryan Tannehill. So I, I'd say it's about the same. They'll compete for a wild card yet again.
1: Yeah, I think it's about the same too. I, I would agree with that assessment as sad as it is to say about Jay Cutler. It's his twelfth, thirteenth year in the league now. Yeah. And we're still you know saying the same story, but you know, him having the familiarity uh, with the offense, I think they'll be right around the same.
0: And I think having done probably as good as he did in his entire career with Gase Pryor, this is the best-case scenario for him to succeed. Mm-hmm. I think Devontae Parker could be in line for a big year. Jarvis Landry will be a solid target. And the defense is good. I mean, they were they were good last year. They gave Miami uh, – they gave a couple teams all they could handle, so – we'll see what happens but the AFC East again
1: you know know, I will say and you know you can tell me if you agree or disagree with this Mitch. but looking at the Dolphins roster I think if we see you know one of those seasons where a team just overperforms above their performance I think this roster is talented enough to win 11 games I just don't know if they'll actually do it
0: yeah yeah very fair I mean defense is underratedly good and they have weapons on offense so I'm with you there there's going to be you know, they'll probably be like eight and six, nine and five going into their last two games and then, you know, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But one last thing on the Dolphins on another team. You know, they're they were supposed to play Tampa Bay week one, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we know Hurricane Irma and there's bigger things in football with that. We, Absolutely uh, what's going on in Houston. We understand the reasoning behind the game not being able to take place in Miami. There was thought that they could maybe relocate that game played on a neutral site which would take a home game away from the Dolphins and they're already playing in London, so they'd be essentially down to six. But mm-hmm. I don't know that this is what I would have done because now you have both of these teams playing 16 straight games, no I bye agree. week, and I just I think it hurts them. I don't I don't want to say competitive disadvantage, but there will be that tired legs factor down the stretch, and, and I don't know. I know we have bye weeks as early as week four, but I just mm-hmm. don't agree with this.
1: No, I don't agree with it with it either, and I do think it's a competitive disadvantage, especially when you know the NFL and the commissioner has been one to tout player safety and protecting the head and protecting, you know, players' bodies and whatnot. And I think that playing 16 games in a row, and I get, you know, team, like you said, teams have bye weeks as early as week four. But even with it being week four, that's still a quarter of the season down. You literally don't play a game this week, and then you just go. You, mm-hmm. you literally play a college football season uh, plus four more games. In a yeah. row, basically. So it's just it, it's crazy to me.
0: Yeah, I, I, especially they're going to have a Thursday night game that doesn't. You know, I don't know what what who they're playing off the top of my head, but that doesn't seem like it's going to go well for them either. Mm-hmm. So you know, we'll have to see. Um, but I, I'm just I understand the the thought process, the good intentions behind it, given that there's a hurricane going on and people's lives are affected. But of course, we'll have to monitor how this goes on. But all right, Money Mitch effect, Ryan Souls, Let's move to the AFC North. And again, it seems like the same story. Pittsburgh is the team, talent-wise at least, most likely to challenge the Patriots. Are you buying that yet again going into this season? They lost the AFC title game last year, but it's the same old story with this Pittsburgh team that they are next in line after New England.
1: They are next in line, but I think that line is pretty far down. I think they continue to, to show over and over again that I think on paper they can match up, but execution-wise it's it's a totally different level. Between sadly to say, between Tomlin and Belichick, the way their teams execute, so I think the Steelers are behind the Patriots, but I think they're pretty far behind the Patriots.
0: yeah, no, I mean i, I i'm I'm torn on this because defensively, I think there's a lot of holes on this football team, mm-hmm. and I think you've got to combine that with the fact that Ben Roethlisberger isn't getting any younger right. Uh, I don't know that his game's slipping, but his availability, his health is slipping he He's mm-hmm. not this indestructible force that he has been so you combine those two things you combine a roster that I wouldn't say I mean there's still a lot of talent there but they're still kind of in transition they've shuffled some pieces around and they're still you know figuring out what the plan of attack is to beat a team like New England that's had their number for years and maybe I'm not maybe I'm cooling a little bit on them although I, I would agree with you I think the line is is drawn in the sand, and it's going in the wrong direction. But Mm -hmm. as far as the AFC North goes, I think it is Pittsburgh's division. We know this as probably the new school black and blue division, which is why as much as I'm willing to say Pittsburgh's the favorite, those games against Cincinnati and Baltimore, Ryan, you just don't know. No matter what the records are, you don't know what's going to happen. And that could hurt a team like Pittsburgh or Baltimore, Cincinnati, whoever's in a position of power down the stretch.
1: Absolutely, because these teams nobody else beats each other up better than the teams in the AST North. Literally.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we've seen that. I mean, that Ravens Steelers. I mean, they had a playoff game that looked like a car accident, you know, about ten years ago, and yeah, or Hagner and Hearns. Yeah, and Vontae Burfict first round. Yeah, throw him into the mix, and we're talking Mm -hmm. real nasty injuries, and Joey Porter on the sideline as well, getting involved. But I think I would say Ryan, and this is where we might disagree. I did, I'm doing a complete 180. I'm not bullish at all on the Bengals. I think they're a team going in the wrong direction. And I actually think Baltimore could be next in line in this division. I'm more optimistic on this team if Flacco gets back. Part of the reason is I like what they've done with their offense. Macklin is a deep ball threat. I think he was hindered in Kansas City. If Woodhead is healthy, that's another option out of the backfield that can catch passes. And I think defensively, it's been tough to kind of replace the post-Lewis and Reed years. But I think they're starting to get there. I, I don't know that they're there yet, but I think they're the team, I would say, could challenge Pittsburgh this year.
1: I think they can definitely challenge them. I think their offensive line is underrated, uh, if, especially if they have everybody healthy. Ronnie Stanley playing well last year. Uh, Marshall Yanda, a big tough guy. And then their receiving core, as you mentioned, uh, we always forget about Mike Wallace and how fast he is. I mm-hmm. think we really, since he's left um, Pittsburgh, rather, we haven't really seen him shine uh, truly, so I, it would be really interesting to see, you know, him get his due and perform up to the talent, you know, that Baltimore thought he, they were getting. I think it's always a story with Baltimore is the defense can can Sugg stay on the field, can other guys stay out of trouble, can they play together? Uh, I think if if that happens, I think they can challenge them. But it's it's still tough because this team, and you know, you hate going back. You know, some people maybe hate going back to the Ray Lewis and Ed Reed years for constant comparison, but this team doesn't have that glue that it used to, and I think that's a huge difference um, in previous teams. And, you know, maybe we I overestimate that because of the, how big Ray Lewis and Ed Reed were as, as players and as uh, personalities and leaders, but uh, it seems like this team has just been missing that glue on defense, and Suggs hasn't been on the field long enough, I think, to provide that.
0: Well, I would say, too, with the offense, Wallace and Macklin have the uh, potential to maybe be the best one-two duo Flacco's had in Baltimore. I, I know he had Bolden all those years, but mm-hmm. I don't know that he's had, if they're both on the field and healthy, you know, two deep threats like this. I agree with you. I also think this says more about Cincinnati when I say that. I think the mix and pick up, he's going to be a stud in their backfield, but it's the same old thing with them. It's Dalton that's an aging defense. It's a team that just can't, for whatever reason, get over the hump. And
1: right. and I think Marvin Lewis is a lot of that. I mean, it's the same result, same coach. He's the Jason Garrett of the AFC. Yeah,
0: he's the longest, I think second longest tenured after Belichick coached in the NFL. And then you have my Browns, Ryan, who are, Listen, I don't know if they're trending upward or not. It's hard I, to say.
1: <laughs> I mean, when when you're on the ground, yeah, um, you can be, and there's really not a lot of places to go. But I believe in what it seems like the management believes Mm -hmm. now. And I haven't believed that in a long time, and I'm curious on your opinion, but it seems like they finally want to bring in pieces that aren't for show, aren't for... you know, TV, they want to actually play football. I still don't know why you trade Joe Hayden. uh, uh, He hasn't been performing, but I still think you keep somebody like him. But it seems like they could be all right.
0: Yeah, the Hayden cut, I I understood as much as I didn't like it, that it was, you know, he's paid $11 million a year. And -hmm. you're saying he hasn't been on the field. It's back to the availability thing. They asked him for a pay cut. He didn't want one. And we know cornerback can age, so are you really going to get that value by the time this team's competitive? Uh-huh. I think they're bringing in younger players and they're t- and they're trying them out early. They're try- they're not you know burying players on the bench for a rainy day. You can right. see that with the quarterback position. I-, I don't know if Kaiser's the guy. Maybe he is, but I'm glad that we're trying this out now. And I know it goes against what I've said about a rookie quarterback getting a chance on the field. But if you're the best player and if you made plays in-, in training camp, regardless of where you are, you deserve that right to play. And there's Absolutely. nobody in front of him, including the the aforementioned dece- recently deceased Brock Eisweiler, not actually dead, but you know. Probably that yeah. is a starting quarterback, but when you talk about Kaiser getting the chance, I think it's good. It'll, it'll see right away if he can play. The line's getting better. It's not, you know, I don't think he's a sacrificial lamb in the sense that former Browns quarterbacks have been because the line is much better than it's been the last couple mm-hmm. of years. This Miles Garrett news sucks, though, because I just wanted to see him play. Uh, it's been a while. I was talking to my dad earlier about this since we've had a real impact guy on defense.
1: All right, and he could be, uh, you know, a 10-time (laughs) All-Pro.
0: So uh, it hurts that he's not going to play, especially against Pittsburgh, but we'll see. I I think the division is tough. It always has been, and it's going to make life challenging, but you build for the future. You you have draft picks, but you're not giving up on the season. There's still a sense Mm -hmm. of we're going to compete, and I don't expect many wins this year. I do expect uh, a lot of competition and some hard-fought games.
1: I could see the Browns winning more games than the Bears this year.
0: And the Jets. And maybe even the Bills, I don't know. I mean, Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. I know I've got my eyes on some players in next year's draft already. It's just, you know, repetition (laughs) at this point.
1: Still thinking about that. (laughs) We'll see. All right, let's
0: uh, let's go to the AFC South now, which some people could say might be uh, the biggest race between two teams we're going to see all year for a division. And those are the teams at the top of the food chain in this one, Ryan, the Texans who've had success the last couple years in this division. Mm-hmm. And the Tennessee Titans, who a lot of people, myself included, have higher hopes for this year, think that their ceiling could be pretty high. Let's start with them because I think when you look for a team and you look for how to make a uh, what team's going to make that next leap, the first position you look at is quarterback. Absolutely. There aren't, there aren't many guys that I'm more high on their future in the next decade in this league than Marcus Mariota. The injury last year sucked, but I think he's back healthy, I think, with the weapons they've put around him this could be a pretty good team. You already had DeMarco Murray and Henry behind him. You had a couple receivers. Delaney Walker, a solid tight end. Offensively speaking, I like Tennessee's ability to score with just about anybody in this league.
1: I do too, and I think they have some versatility in offense too, and uh, Mariota being able to run the ball, and he's great from the pocket too. So yeah, you're right, the injury did suck last year, but I do think this team is coming.
0: Yeah, and, and will it be now? I don't know. Defensively, they still have some questions. It, mm-hmm. was a, it was a breath of fresh air that this is a team that had a weakness and went and addressed it in free agency in the draft, and they spent a lot on defensive players. They, they revamped their secondary, which was atrocious last year. It the, was. The Texans, though, are still still the standard in this division for one reason. It's that defense. It's a defense it that, even without J.J. Watt last year, was dominant. Gave, I mean, Not even arguably, they gave New England their toughest, uh, their most fits in the playoff run last year to the Super Bowl. is back. They have a good secondary. You know, all come back to quarterback in that offense. And it's going to be Tom Savage first. When will we get to Sean Watson? Who knows? But if you were Bill O'Brien, Ryan, what would you do? How would you play the quarterback game? Savage, by all accounts, and his teammates has earned the opportunity. But what do you think is going to happen with this quarterback position?
1: You know, I think it's tough. Uh, I think what I think is going to happen, and what I think should happen, uh, I think might be different here. I'm I'm always uh, kind of old school with the rookie quarterbacks. I think they should get as much time off the field to try to learn the NFL, learn the playbook. But that's just it's just really not that type of NFL anymore. I don't see Tom Savage performing well enough through three or four weeks to keep his job. Especially if the defense starts playing really well, and you know we could sense some, some animosity between the two groups. I think um, Deshaun Watson, if the team especially is clamoring for it, will get him in there and see what uh, he can do. And hopefully, Houston will be thinking uh, they'll get a Dak Prescott
0: 2.0. Yeah, you know this one's way different than what the Browns are dealing with because of the expectation. I mean, you have a mm-hmm. team that's expecting to go back to the playoffs and win another game and build on that, but. So I think and you've got a
1: national championship quarterback coming in, too.
0: You do. Now, I was one of the people that wasn't the, the most high on Deshaun Watson of all the mm-hmm. quarterbacks that are into the league this year as rookies. I don't know that sitting is the worst thing for him, especially if you really believe. Now, I'm, I'm not a record for this either, but if you really believe Savage can be the guy, I think the, the leash might be longer for him. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. I mean, they gave they didn't really pull Osweiler at all on a good team last year So until the very, no. very end, and they gave him a shot again, so I don't know that we see much of Watson this year. I don't know. I mean, I think Savage would really have to stink up the joint for him to lose his job, at least early in the
1: season. Yeah, you might be right. I think it really just depends on how the team is doing. I think if the team is playing well, even if Savage isn't playing that well, I think he might still get to keep his job, but if the defense is playing, is playing well and the offense just isn't playing well and these teams, uh, the team could be winning games uh, that they're losing and should be winning, I think we could see a switch maybe mid-year.
0: And then we got to say Jacksonville Indianapolis, not really much there. I mean, the Jaguars are going to be terrible on the Colts it, with no luck and the prognosis not good. Ryan, I just don't see it.
1: <laughs> no, I just don't see it either. And it's, it's sad because I think the Colts were just – five, six years ago, they thought they had everything on a silver platter. You know, they were losing arguably a top-five quarterback that's ever played the game and getting, you know, the best draft prospect since since maybe that guy, <laughs> that top-five guy. Yeah. And, you know, he goes down uh, later. He doesn't have the best team around him. So I think it's a sad situation. And then you flip to the Jaguars and Blake Bortles and – I think that's all I have to say. Blake Bortles.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly <laughs> just running out the clock on his contract and his right. guaranteed money. So I get what's happening. They're not expecting to be good, and, and you have to pay him this mm-hmm. year regardless. So, hey, let's see what happens. But yeah. I'm just wondering if Pagano has a job on Thanksgiving.
1: I'm yeah, me too. So. Yeah, and I think it's sad because I don't even know if it's completely his fault. I think oh, the I defense –
0: uh, I, the, there's no talent there on defense. It's no,
1: history. there is there is no talent. I think I think Irsay should fire himself, but that's a whole nother situation. Yeah,
0: it's hard to hard to do. I haven't seen that successfully done yet. An owner fire himself, but all right, Money no. Mitch, Money Mitch effect. Ryan Soles, 2017 NFL preview. Ryan, let's go to a division that might be the deepest in all football, and that's the AFC West. Last year, the Chargers were the worst team in this division, and I don't think San Diego is that particularly bad. You had three playoff teams uh, come out of it or two playoff teams excuse me Denver missed the playoffs but was still pretty good Kansas City and Oakland had successful years too Ryan who do you like at the top of this division week 1 like who do you think comes into the season in your mind as the favorite in this division
1: I think the favorite in this division coming in is the Oakland Raiders just top to bottom I think they edge out being the best team now. Minus Khalil Mack, that defense isn't all that good, but the Khalil Mack effect is, is a big one, and I think that's what gives them just a slight edge over Denver, who would be my second team, just because that defense uh, with Von Miller okay. and you know company. So, uh, so you you're know.
0: not as high in Kansas City then.
1: I'm, I'm not like, as high on okay. Kansas City. I think I think we kind of get the same old story from Kansas City. Okay, well
0: here's we'll start with Kansas City because this is my most intriguing quarterback situation. Is mm-hmm. Mahomes going to play at all this year? Alex Smith is a solid quarterback that can get the job done, which it sounds like a put-down, but he actually you know, makes plays. He isn't at that elite level. Mahomes has a cannon of an arm, maybe as strong of a, an arm coming into this league as maybe that Rodgers guy in Green Bay. I mm-hmm. wonder if Reed's going to think about it. I think they'd have to struggle, but will Reed think about it at all this year?
1: I think Reed could think about it and you, you said it perfectly, they would have to struggle, but Reed just Andy Reed didn't strike me as that type of guy that would just turn it over to a rookie midseason. I think he would ride I think he would ride it out with Alex Smith.
0: Yeah. I still put Denver third because the quarterback situation isn't anything special with Simeon there. The the backfield too is muddled. CJ Anderson had had a good, you know, first couple years, was hurt last year. They had in Jamal Charles, who knows what we're gonna get from him. And the mm-hmm. defense is great, but it was better. You know, you lose you lose T.J. Ward. You lose a couple pieces, you know, right. even dating back to, you know, Malik Jackson some of those Super Bowl guys that they had that they lost when they all decided, rightfully so, to get paid after they won get a ring. Paid. So, mm-hmm. uh, Tlaib's getting older. He's into his 30s now. So, I don't know. I, I think Kansas City's solid enough to every year get to the playoffs, but then once they get to the playoffs, it's another story. I'm with you, though, in Oakland. I think that's the team. I think if Carr's healthy – You know, Marshawn Lynch doesn't have to be this elite running back. He's just another piece of the puzzle to make plays, especially in short yardage. I think they're going to be very good. And San Diego's going to be good, too. I mean, this is going to be a a, Mm – all division games should be great in this division. The Chargers with Rivers, and and I know he's getting up there, but the offense looking like it's got some formidable pieces yet again. And the defense is improving by my guy Joey Bosa. I think this defense isn't the pushover it used to be.
1: Okay, I'm going to put – Here's my bold prediction out there for you for this division. Okay. If Phillip Rivers throws less than 15 interceptions, I think the Chargers can win this division.
0: No, I you know what? That's I wouldn't say that's the that's definitely not the most bold take you've had. Uh, uh, the boldest take you've had. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I would say if it did happen, you might be right. I mean, what did he he led the league in interceptions last year, but he was up there in mm-hmm. yards and touchdowns, so
1: He was. Um, he was. I, and so I feel like thing. a lot
0: of it are, I mean there's a lot that are his mistakes, but a lot of it is necessity. you know they're playing mm-hmm. from behind mm-hmm. they the running game's gone south they need help and he's a guy that you got to tip your cap to because players get injured around him and he just keeps playing. they need to keep oh, him yeah. on, though
1: on the field that's the biggest thing they do they do and gates as well. I mean, he he's the Man, he's the YMC version of a football player. What I mean, he just he's so slow but he gets open. It's <laughs> the box out move, right? He just pushes up a, and you're not getting yeah. through him. So. You no, know, not at all.
0: Well, I want to go to the NFC now. Ryan Sol's money Mitch effect and we'll start with the East, which you have a vested interest in and you, you know it. I know you do, but I got to start with the teams that were at the top of the division last year. We're talking mm-hmm. Dallas and we're talking the New York Football Giants and the Cowboys have had maybe the most tumultuous off season of all, and there's going to be this looming Zeke Elliott factor. Suspended for six games, it's upheld. He's playing week one. There's still a possibility that one of two things is going to happen. Ryan, he misses the next six games of this season, or it's the Tom Brady effect where he plays the whole season and then next year almost certainly misses six games. So with that looming over over this team week one and going forward, I want to talk about Dak Prescott, though, because we've always wondered what year two looks like for quarterbacks, but I can't think of a more pressure-filled situation for any year two than what Dak's about to face in Jerry World.
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, and I think I think it's sad that, you know, we're in a quarterback-driven league, so all the pressure is going to be put on Dak Prescott, but I think an enormous amount of pressure is going to be put on that whole football team that Ezekiel Elliott can't play. Because it is obvious who the workhorse of that entire team is, offense and defense. It's obvious right. who's getting the work. It's obvious who, yeah. you know, they've vested their money and, in and can I to say, get them something. Can I yeah. say
0: just one thing? I know the line's great. I know Prescott played well, but you put mm-hmm. McFadden and you put you know other running backs there. They're not, they're not doing do what it. he did. No, 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 come
1: on, no, they're uh, not. So I just think having him is a huge, huge, huge X factor. And you know, you alluded to this. As good as the offensive line is. I'm still not convinced. Um, no, I'll always be convinced that Des Bryant is a good number one receiver, but I'm not convinced that just Dak to Des Bryant and Dak to Jason Witten is good enough to go very far in the playoffs, because I think they're going to win the division, uh, but I think to go very far in the playoffs uh, without having Ezekiel Elliott up, fully in up to speed, because I think that makes a difference for somebody that young.
0: See, I don't know if he fights this suspension, if he if they seek this waiver injunction, if it's a non-conference game week one, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the Giants. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a huge game. They play it on is. Sunday night week one, seems like every other year. and this Just is like last be, year, a year ago. Yeah. It's <laughs> just going to be a big game in determining the division, so it wouldn't surprise me if you just serve the next six after and move down with it. Defensively, you'd like to see them get better. The Giants are right there with them. I'm I'm in that camp. that It comes down to Eli and probably some coaching decisions by Ben McAdoo. But defensively, they revamped their defense, took a lot of money. Landon Collins is one of the bright young players in this league. I think the receiving core around Odell Beckham is getting up to snuff, and they added some running backs, including Wayne Gallman, another national champion winner from Clemson. So I think this Giants team is going to be stride for stride with them, and, and that's where I think you might see that Zeke lost felt. Is you know they, they won a lot of close games last year where Zeke pushed them and the breaks fell their way. If the breaks don't go their way this year, it could be the Giants division we're talking about.
1: It could be, and I think the interesting thing about the Giants is that I don't know if they'll go about trying to play football this way, but to me this roster just seems set up to just score, 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 score. I think you just want to get on the field on offense, have Eli try to make the least amount of mistakes as possible, and just get the ball to those three studs or wide receiver and try to give um, favorable field position to your defense when you have to turn the ball over. It might work. You know, so I think yeah. you do you try to score because with No Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think the Cowboys can beat the Giants in a shootout. And I don't know if the defense is good enough to try to slow the game down with No Ezekiel Elliott to try to make it a tip for tat game. I think the Giants against anybody should just be trying to run a score
2: up on people.
0: You know, the other two teams in this division, Ryan, the Redskins and your Philadelphia Eagles. Do we think a return to the playoffs could be in store? Washington was close last year, blew a game down the stretch to the Giants that cost them the playoffs, but still have Cousins who's putting up great numbers. And then the Eagles, Carson Lynch here, too. There, there's a mixed reaction to just how good he can be, some new pieces to play with. What do you think about these teams?
1: You know, I think, you know, and excuse the joke here, but it depends on if Kirk feels like the first or the third cousin of the team. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. If he feels embraced and he's confident, I think we're going to be getting a bunch of you like that this year. But if something goes wrong, I think if his confidence gets shaken, I think this team could could be on a downward slope like we've seen them in the past. Uh, I'm not that sold on Kirk Cousins, but he has, what's the best way to pull it? And I don't want to even say an extremely high upside. I think he just has an extremely high reward factor that comes with an extremely high risk.
0: Well, I think he's a baseline player, and when I say that, I, I think he never gets too high or too low. Mm-hmm. So I think you can actually count on him more than a lot of quarterbacks in this league that might have more talent, <laughs> a la Jay Cutler again, that in big moments he's just going to run the plays, he's going to spread it out, he's not going to be dependent on one receiver. My problem is they, they have an overhaul at receiver. You know, no more Garcon, no more Deshaun Jackson, can Terrell Pryor Sr. make plays. Will the will the, what he was rookie last year, Josh Dotson, step up? I mean, there's some questions to answer there. The Eagles, I'm still not confident on your team, unfortunately, Ryan. I just don't think the talent's there yet. And quite frankly, I don't know that I can trust Doug Peterson yet to win big games. I, I didn't see much last year, I should say.
1: No, no, I think I didn't see much last year either. And, you know, granted, it was his first season. But I do like the way it's trending on both sides of the ball. I think having... Aguilar a year older seeing what Alshon Jeffries may be capable of and seeing you know Carson Winston in the second year I think it'll be interesting to see I don't think this team is going to get anywhere close mm-hmm. to winning the division I don't see them starting out did they when we start 5 4 0 5 last year I don't see that happening but I do think the team is trending upward I think they're going to be better I just don't think it'll show on the scoreboard and yeah. too much talent in the yeah. division
0: and last year was a little bit of fool's gold early some favorable matchups Pittsburgh yeah Got a propensity to just lose to to subpart teams randomly. Mm -hmm. And uh,
1: And now they got tape on Carson Wentz.
0: They do. They do. And his accuracy was the one thing that wasn't as good as everyone would have hoped. And that's a pretty big thing, maybe the biggest thing for a quarterback. So, all right, NFC North now. Ryan, again, it seems like we're in a division that's a two team race. Uh, I don't want to be, you know, obviously we all think the Bears aren't that good. The Lions have given us no reason to trust them as a playoff team, but. it seems cliche, it seems obvious, but it's got to be Vikings or Packers again in this division.
1: And really, you look at, I think you look at the the names, I think it should be overwhelmingly Packers with Aaron Rodgers and that offense right. and how they play, but I think the way the Vikings play as a team with Zimmer and the way they play on defense. They match up great with them. They match up great with them, like you said. So it'll be really interesting to see how these two teams battle it out. It's good to see Sam Bradford make it through a year not in a wheelchair um, and I think that, that's huge
0: you know what Ryan I think too the Vikings are that team that you know every year in, in not just football and all sports there's teams that we say "All right, are they really championship contenders no but are they scary it's a mm-hmm. cliche way to put it but the Vikings would scare the hell out of me if I was any team that had to play them on their schedule yeah, I agree. Going to give you fits. That defense is under. I, I don't think they're underrated anymore. I think people finally realize how good they are. Mm-hmm. Bradford, we we for as much as we and everybody else rips on him, is a solid level quarterback that's going to keep the ball and, and keep moving.
1: And he's accurate.
0: And he is accurate. And I think Dalvin Cook is might be the best running back of all the rookies that come into this league. I think he's right up there with the Leonard Fournets and with you know the other options. And I think he's going to step in and do well. And, mm-hmm. it's a match and they effect. got a
1: one-two punch with him and uh, Latavius Murray, and who's not right. a bad running back in his own right.
0: No, I mean, they did a good job building their team, building a team that can compete with Green Bay. You talk about beating your rivals, being built up to beat your rivals, and that's what they've done over the last few years with Zimmer, especially mm-hmm. one of the better coaches in football. And Green Bay's sense, Ryan. We know Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and we understand what this team does and what their identity is. But I did think last year, and we'll see if it's fool's gold this year, the difference in them down the stretch was a guy by the name of Ty Montgomery, a running back that wears number eighty eight. And if he can give them what he gave them down the stretch, a lot to like about this Green Bay offense.
1: I agree. I agree. And I think anytime this team can run the football, we've seen how good they can be. When when this team has balance and you know, it's already impossible to stop Aaron Rodgers, but when this team you have to keep they keeping you honest because you can run the football as well. I think a lot of things change and it's just, I got to say, it's fascinating to watch Aaron Rodgers play football, man. It really is. It's
0: We're pretty lucky to be doing that. Any reason to to buy stock in the Bears or Lions this year?
1: I'd buy stock, and I'm losing.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Bears are going to be a disaster. They'll probably turn to Trubisky pretty quick. And the Lions, I think that Stafford to uh, to Marvin Jones combo is going to win a lot of people some fantasy games and uh, garbage time this year. That's about oh, all I, I think so,
1: say. too. I, I think you know Stafford will put up the most hollow 5000 near 5000 yard season yet again and the team will win 9 games if that.
0: All right, money Mitch effect Ryan Souls and I want to talk now about what might be my favorite division in all football, Ryan the NFC South. I think this, this is, is a division, division that's four deep and any team can win this division. I don't know if uh-huh. I believe that with the AFC West, but I think I really do believe it with the NFC South. And we'll start with the I team do. that finished last last year. The Saints. I don't think they're going to be that bad this year. I think no. I wouldn't pick them to win the division. But if they won, it wouldn't be a, a jaw dropper. If that makes
1: Yeah, sense. I, I wouldn't pick them to win the division either. But I don't think they're going to be bad. I think you always know what you're getting from from Drew Brees. How they handle the one two punch of Adrian Peterson and Mark Ingram, I think, would really be interesting. If you if you got both of those guys late in the year, I think I'd be scared to play this team also. Yeah, uh, with the way Drew Brees can sling it around, uh, so I, I like the outlook on that team, but I yeah I don't see them winning the division. Uh, I think it's between uh, I think really between two teams, okay. uh, but who's I next, I don't see the same.
0: Who's next off your list?
1: Next off my list, I think is Carolina. Oh okay,
0: and I, so I, I want
1: they are, and I wanted to believe in Carolina. You know me, last year I really thought them not playing well was just that Super Bowl hangover. I really think it it stuck with them, but I just. The more and more I watch, it just I think they really overperformed that season, and I think Tampa Bay is coming. I think I think they're here in that division. I think getting get somebody like Deshaun Jackson is huge, and you mentioned Mar uh, Marcus Mariota. I think Jameis Winston is ready to take that next step into you know the quarterbacks that we start talking about on the on the on the daily. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I think that that's my second team, and I think Atlanta's number
2: one.
0: I'm not quite ready to put Jameis in that car-slash-Mariota range just because too many turnovers. You know? Yeah, yeah his, he's got to get those down. His ceiling is probably higher than both, to be completely mm-hmm. honest. But you, you can't be quarterback on a great team and still making those plays and you know really be trusted to, to go far into the playoffs. But that's another story. I think the Saints, getting back to them, Michael Thomas is a great pickup. There's a lot of weapons on that team. Not just Peterson and Ingram, but the rookie out of Tennessee, Alvin Kamara, is a pass-catching running back, too. So their defense is going to be what holds them back, I think, ultimately in the end. The Panthers, they got to, you know, Kiki's huge for them. You know, he misses games. Their defense looks like an entire different unit. So I'd like to see him play. You know, it's it's a shame what happened with him with the concussions. They need him. They need, you know, improved health. McCaffrey's going to be fun to watch, though. And there's nobody that's more excited to have McCaffrey, I would think, than Cam Newton. Because it's another toy on their offense. It's somebody that can make Cam Newton more flexible and improve, I think, the accuracy. Because he was a one man band last year. He pretty much was the last two years, and it didn't go as well last year, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I I just, getting to Tampa Bay, Ryan, we talked about the 16 straight games thing. They're one of the teams that's a a darling this year. Everybody's high on them, and I'm just, I'm still on that wait and see approach because I know that they're coming and they can beat any of these teams. But I want to see what the defense looks like for four quarters against good competition, and I want to know what that running game is going to look like because it's Doug Martin, it's Sims, you know, it's it's options here or there. I think they they're going to need a solid ground game to win this division, and I'm just not sure it's there
1: yet. Yeah, no, and I think those are all fair, um, and it'll it'll be interesting to see. This is going to be tight. It really is.
0: Do you think the Falcons come back? I mean, how do you overcome a loss like that in the Super Bowl? But can they just rebound and? And make the playoffs like everything's fine?
1: I think they'll rebound just on fear, pure firepower. I think um, I, don't, I don't see too much of a hangover for Matt Ryan. I just think they have way too much talent around them, namely Julio Jones, uh, to not just win football games and the way that he's playing. I mean, I think he's just, just yeah. entering his prime, and that that's, that's scary. pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, I think this team, just on paper and the talent, should just be able to pick up wins by default because they score so much.
0: Julio also, I mean, we were talking about this the other day, the catch that everyone will forget in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. One of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. Ever, Uh, ever. uh, It's a shame what what happened down the stretch there. Coleman, if he comes out and they have a two-headed monster, that's how they improve. If they Mm -hmm. have two beast running backs now. So we'll see. And then lastly, Ryan, the NFC West. It's fitting we ended with this division. (laughs) It, It is. Because I don't know how – I think up there with the Patriots, the next best lock to win a division, especially betting-wise, would be the Seahawks. I just don't know how you could convince me otherwise.
1: Huh. Are we just ruling out the Cardinals automatically?
0: To win the division. I just think Seattle's a more talented team. I'm still not there with Palmer at 30, what, eight now? Yeah. It's, it hasn't been a great two years. Are, um,
1: you Rus- are you there with Russell before the fourth quarter?
0: I am. I uh, I think last year, and I'm not full disclosure. The biggest Russell Wilson fan. I've yeah. I've critiqued him more than <laughs> than most, I would say. But last year, he was banged up. He played through he a lot of injuries, it. and that line was dreadful. We're mm-hmm. talking like pro football focus ranked like bottom of the barrel consistently. So it could yeah, be a little yeah. better. The backfield's a lot better. You know, a lot of new running back faces that are all healthy. That were yeah, under- last
1: year. and underweight. I just, and
0: David Johnson is amazing. Like, pound for pound, the most valuable football player in the NFL outside of quarterbacks because they're all, he you is. know, but it's David Johnson. I just can't see the Seahawks losing this division. I think the defense has is, is quietly gotten better. Sheldon Richardson is a great pickup. And
1: it is. It is a good pickup.
0: I like Seattle to win this division comfortably.
1: Yeah, I like Seattle to win the division, too. I, I, I think it'll be pretty comfortably, but I, I could see Arizona being, you know, two or three games. Behind him potentially with, with a few games left to go, I could see
0: that. It's not going to be San Francisco and Brian Hoyer or CJ Beathard or whoever. Oh,
1: no, you know, it could be Jared Goff, though. Can you I know, just, you, definitely, you never
0: know. Can I just say one thing, though? And this might be, you know, this might be the worst take of the year for me, but I don't, I would not be surprised if Goff has a good year. And my reasoning is better weapons at receiver and not Jeff Fisher's offense. Mm hmm. My two biggest yes. reasons for thinking that he might have a good year. So
1: I agree. Not, <laughs> just not having Jeff Fisher in the building I exactly. think is, is, is huge.
0: All right, Ryan, we've yeah. reached that time. We want playoff picks. We'll do Super Bowl at the end. But who are your six teams on the Money Mitch Effect NFL preview? Who are your six teams in each conference that make the playoffs? All
1: right, my six teams in each conference. Uh, I, I don't know about order here. I'm just going to give yeah. you six teams. Mm-hmm. So I got New England for you. Mm-hmm. I got Pittsburgh. I got Houston. I got Oakland. Then my two wild card teams. I'm with you. I have the Ravens coming out, mm-hmm. and I believe this is tough. I'm between. I think Denver might be a slightly better team, but I don't know who has a better schedule between them and Kansas City. So I'm all, I'm on the fence between them and Kansas City. Uh, since I picked Denver to be second, I'll I'll stick with that and pick Denver but I don't feel the best about that. So yeah, those are my... Okay, and NFC? NFC. So I got Dallas, Green Bay, Atlanta, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and the Giants. Okay. Wow. And
0: yeah, okay. All right. Well, I'll give you mine, and then we can go over Super Bowl picks. But I like New England, Pittsburgh, unfortunately... Tennessee to win the South. Okay. I will take Oakland to win the West, and my wildcard teams will be give me give me Kansas City and Houston. Okay. I think two teams in the South sounds crazy, but I think that it's the same thing with what, what you said with the Broncos. The mm-hmm. North's just going to beat each other up, and the Texans yeah. are going to take advantage of playing Jacksonville and Indianapolis twice a year, mm-hmm. so I think they'll get that wild card spot. NFC, I like. I mean, we'll say Cowboys, Giants. I'm still a little unsold on who's going to win that division, uh, but they both get in. Green Bay gets in. Uh, Atlanta goes back to the playoffs again. Seattle and my second wild card team is the. Yeah, we'll live a little. I'll say the New Orleans Saints get back to the okay. playoffs.
1: Okay, uh, is, they, is you going to say the Saints or the Cubs? Yeah. You say the Saints or the Cardinals? You no, know, I, was, I wasn't going to say the Cardinals, but okay. okay, Super
0: Bowl picks, bright and early. Who do you have going to the Super Bowl?
1: You know, funny enough, I have New England. Okay. <laughs> shocker. And Atlanta.
0: Oh, wow. A rematch. I do. I have well, a rematch. You've never seen that before. We have
1: never seen that before. Is the outcome
0: uh, going to be the same, though?
1: Uh, I think New England's going to win. Wow. Uh, I do. I think it's going to be a closer game from the start. But I just – I think even with the Aaron Rodgers factor – I think Atlanta, just on paper, is the best team probably in the NFL. I think the Patriots just play better and they just execute better. But I think the Atlanta, if Matt Ryan plays how he did last year and Julio Jones continues to get better, they are just going to score. Okay. And I think they, I think they can end up back in the Super Bowl just the same as they did last year.
0: Okay. So two things about me, Ryan. I. Mm own my outrageous picks and I keep making outrageous <laughs> picks last <You> year I <laughs> went Arizona Cincinnati disaster uh, this year I'm going to say the Super Bowl is going to be between the soon to be not Oakland Raiders and the New York Giants
1: okay and I the New like, York Giants making the Super Bowl and
0: I like the Giants to win the Super Bowl okay I'm, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. But I never hey, thought
1: you would pick picked the Giants today to win the Super Bowl. I no, never would really
0: have guessed no. that. It's, uh, you know, I, I think they are a very good team, and I think they're going to do it. But, you know, it's cliche to pick New England, and Green Bay has just let a lot of people down to pick them in the last couple of years. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But, Ryan, this was fun. We got football in like an hour. So we're, we're, we're back in the NFL season. I'm excited. We're back thanks, into it. I'm excited, too. Man. Thanks again for coming on. This was fun. We'll be chatting during the football season for sure.
1: Oh, of course, thanks for having me. Love being on.
0: Big thanks to Ryan Souls for hopping on the show. And we did not see, neither of us saw, the Chiefs laying it to the Patriots. Kareem Hunt with a debut for the Ages, a record setting debut. Alex Smith looking like Johnny Unitas back there. What was going on there? It's one game. We'll see what happens. But a hey, big stuff for the Chiefs. And thanks again to Ryan Souls for talking. NFL football, now we got to switch to the college game, Bradford Bruns is back, we talk point spreads, we talk favorites, we talk underdogs, what went down in week one for the state's injured. Francois, Alabama looking dominant, and some big night games, talking Ohio State, Oklahoma, USC, Stanford, Auburn, Clemson, and Notre Dame, Georgia, all that and more, it's college football talk with Bradford Bruns on the Money Mitch Effect, here it is now. All right, college football is back, and with that, Bradford Bruns, welcome back to the Money Mitch Effect. It's been a year in waiting. We've talked hoops, but I, I'm really excited. I'm like one of the long-lost members of the Pointer Sisters getting ready for this discussion.
2: <laughs> the rare Pointer Sisters reference. One point from the yeah. very beginning, my man. How are you?
0: A minute to win it. Thank you for the uh, acknowledgement, but Bradford, <laughs> enjoy having you on to talk college football, and we're going into, well, I guess it's officially week two, because college football likes to start with week zero but week one was something uh interesting it wasn't as many upsets as you'd expect to see early but there was some interesting development so bradford right off the bat i'll ask you this point blank what stood out what was curious to you avid college football fan about week one
2: Quite frankly, Mitch, the dominance with which Michigan dispatched Florida stood out to me. And I know it was a popular opinion heading into the 2017 campaign to jump a bit off of the Jim Harbaugh and Wolverines bandwagon to point out the various departures going to the NFL to think about the state of the offense and question whether Michigan could hang with the the true Titans in the Big Ten, could compete this year with an Ohio State, even a Michigan State and so forth, and that opener to go up against what I think is a very, very respectable Florida program, one that is looking to continue to make further waves in the SEC East, and trounce The Gators really. The final score, of course, is 33 to 17, but the outcome there was never in doubt. I loved the fact, I loved what I saw from Michigan in terms of the offense and the stability. I'll tell you what, if Harbaugh is able to get such offensive consistency through the duration of the season or just building toward the stretch run of the Big Ten schedule, Michigan could be right there in the mix yet again for a potential playoff spot. And that is not something that I think a lot of the pundits and prognosticators, if you will, would have been able to forecast just a couple of months ago. You had that affair, which was fairly lopsided. And then of course, too, in the grand scheme of things, we'll talk a little bit more about this before we press the uh, fast forward button, if you will, and dig into week number two, unofficially, but Alabama, Florida State, what a turn of events there Mm -hmm. in the second half. We understand that Francois, the injury, everything turned on a dime, turned on a whim right then and right there, but I have to be completely frank with you as well. Given the manner in which Alabama was slowly starting to... Gain momentum, control the line of scrimmage. It looks like one of those classic vintage Nick Saban helmed defenses yet again. Alabama yeah. looked every bit the part of the consensus preseason number one in. Francois' injury notwithstanding, I still think that the Crimson Tide, that performance all the way around in week number one against FSU, was really something special. And I look for the continued growth. I look forward to that growth from Jalen Hurts, too, as the year goes along. So a lot of predictable results, but some good stuff interspersed throughout, too. How about that late-in-the-weekend package, that double dip, if you will, between Vatech, West Virginia, and then Tennessee? Tennessee did manage to hang on against Georgia yeah. Tech, against all odds. I was a little shocked there because I'm pessimistic usually when it comes to Rocky Town.
0: They gave up 600 yards of offense to a team <laughs> that runs triple option. And they had about, what, seven months to prepare for it. So, But who's counting? It was a win. Batek got a win, ugly, Beamer ball style, against West Virginia. And Josh Rosen, down the stretch, a legend is born in Pasadena, but... They should have never been down by that much to begin with. So I think that was your classic two four loss teams going at it. We'll look back at that game and say that was fun when we recap UCLA and AM seasons at the end of the year. But I digress. You were right on the money. Florida just looked dreadful against Michigan in a game that I mm. think Harbaugh had a lot of pressure on him because you know it hasn't gone you know as, as rosy for this uh, Michigan team. I mean, the marriage hasn't been the perfect marriage so far, but it's a big impressive win by Michigan. And Francois' injury just sucked. It was just not good for the game of football. I do agree Bama was turning the tide. It's what they do. They, they went in the trenches. They wear you down. They own special teams as well, which we saw at the end of the first half, blocking a kick. And I do have to ask you, before we look at Week 2 and some, some interesting matchups, Mizzou, 72-44 over Missouri State. Drew Locke, seven touchdowns. I mean, the stat line 48. is utterly ridiculous.
2: I'm I'm still trying to track the total number of yards actually, and yeah, just a couple of hours ago, I think that I I finished actually yes, pinning my notes regarding the overall lines from <laughs> he, that affair. But had, Mitch, you you had you 520
0: hit it. yards of passing and 21 completions, <laughs> seven of which were In touchdowns. 21
2: completions. I know. And just a few weeks ago, you and I, we were fortunate enough to be able to visit in person and talk about Mizzou's prospects for 2017. Is this going to be a team, a program that can at least get back to a bowl, get back to respectability after a couple of down seasons? Admittedly, so in the SEC. And you know that I'm very bullish about this offense. Now, it's not going to be a weekly thing where you see the Tigers go out and they're going to roll up 50 plus points against SEC adversaries. But I will say this with everyone returning from last year's crew on the offensive line having that cohesiveness, having playmakers on the outside who have grown, who have had to undergo really trial-by-fire circumstances over the last couple of years in a Jamon Moore, in the backfield with a Crockett, to join along with the likes of a Drew Locke. This offense is exceedingly potent, and now, after a year of being in Columbia, Josh Heupel, the offensive coordinator, has his crew, has his playmakers in exactly the positions where they want to be. The sticking point, yet again, is going to be the defense. It's absolutely unacceptable. The head coach, Barry Odom, he confirmed as much after the fact, after reviewing the film, when you let an FCS team come into your building, come into Faroe Field, and put up 35 points in the first half alone, when you allow them to easily, the Missouri State Bears eclipse 400 yards. Mitch, this isn't even a middle-of-the-rung-style FCS team. This is Missouri State. This is a team that last season was held down repeatedly by the likes of Youngstown State etc. So I don't know what they do right now about the defensive side of the equation. I know Demonte Cross, he's back for another year. Make no mistake about it. Barry Odom is calling everything that matters, everything of consequence on defense. But when you don't have personnel, and Mizzou doesn't clearly have the abundance of pass rushers, elite edge rushers that really established that reputation over the past few years, allowing the Missouri defense to be great up front, when you don't have that and you have a lot of inexperience in the secondary, too, we know that there are going to be growing pains and there will be even further growing pains this coming weekend because South Carolina, hey, I didn't expect last Saturday for South wow. Carolina to put up 35 against NC State. That is going to be a game as predicted, I think, by the betting betting individuals there are those who specialize in the game so to speak mid 70s i could easily envision that it's going to be entertaining in prime time in columbia but can missouri keep up drive for drive, possession for possession, just putting points on the scoreboard this year against most opponents, I say yes, because last year to wit, you think about the Tigers, really the only defenses that were able to handle them in 2016, Florida and LSU. You're still talking about the SEC East. You're still talking about the lower class, if you will, and Missouri is going to be right there when it comes to executing on offense. The defense, Uh though, you may have to watch partially with eyes closed through the rest (laughs) of the fall.
0: Yeah, in the Youngstown State reference, I just want to give them credit for almost knocking off Pitt <laughs> in a, in a barn burner of an afternoon game on Saturday. Hey! Uh, yeah. no, you're right. I, you can't come away from this being that confident uh, in Missouri's chances defensively in that conference. So, uh, Drew Locke looked good. We'll see what happens when he plays the big boys in the SEC. Yeah, we'd have to say, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Brent Musburger when you talked about the guys that set the lines and the betting public who said... With this gem of a line, Bradford, after UCLA came back and won. Good teams win, but great teams cover. UCLA was unable to cover, so. (laughs) Wow, uh, Brent. It just just rings true, even to this day. But I'm excited for some of the Week 2 matchups, because I want to dive into them right now. Usually at this time, Mm -hmm. in the conversation, we'd recap more, but let's be honest, Week 1 didn't. You know, have as many ranked matchups, certainly not as week two, and we're still figuring out where these teams are going to be. So I think week two is our first step mm-hmm. into really getting uh, a direction of how this season is going to play out. And we'll start you know, with some of the early games. We're going to save the night games for later. Uh, one game I do want to mention just in passing because there's not that many exciting games that these two teams are going to have this year. But a noon kickoff Eastern time in what some might call the academic slash nerd ball, Northwestern and Duke. I wonder who's going to win this one with Northwestern, (laughs) a three-point favorite. And uh, how many people are going to get stuffed in lockers after this game?
2: That's a fair question, Mitch, one that I'm still pondering myself. But, yeah, you hinted at the just embarrassment of riches that we're going to have in primetime, four games with national implications, starting within 90 minutes of one another. But Northwestern, yes, still trying to do its thing against Duke. And I'm intrigued by that one. I'm intrigued to see exactly how many points are going to be put up on the board in that contest. Considering the venue, though, considering everything that we have heard about, you know, regarding respective off seasons for this team, I really want to see how Fitzgerald's crew from Northwestern comes out because I think that you're still trying to establish all right who's exactly going to take up resonance in that second tier, if you will, of the Big Ten. And I think Northwestern getting Duke in week number two unofficially, it's going to be a good test for the Wildcats and you know, Duke as well, conversely, uh, in its conference, of course, you think about the level of competition for the duration of the campaign, and Mitch, I don't think you could have described it really that much better. There isn't going to be a lot of great competition leading up to the, the stretch run portions, if you will, of both of these schedules. So I do expect a nip and tuck affair, and... The three-and-a-half-point line, that seems pretty respectable, pretty fair, I would say, at this point in time as we move closer to the weekend. But in just, I would say, a touchdown or so, you know what? I will give the edge just barely to Northwestern, but call it more of a gut instinct, gut feeling reaction than anything else because I do honestly believe that this one could slide in one direction or the other.
0: I'll go Northwestern just to stay loyal-ish to the Big Ten and also, though, you got to mention, they did not play good against Nevada last week. So we'll see what happens here. Okay, true. Yeah, true. I don't know. But another game I want to bring up, and and I'm bringing this up more for principle than the actual game, it's Michigan-Cincinnati. And the principle of it is, every year I feel like we go over this, but it's a good time to remind all the listeners, Bradford, how confident you have to be in a team to cover in a point spread like this. Michigan, a 34-point favorite over Cincinnati. And barring an upset, season-worthy upset, life-changing upset, is it possible that Michigan is going to cover this many points? What would you gauge your level, and how confident do you have to be when taking this into account?
2: Yeah, when I last checked, Mitch, I saw that it was at 34.5, and, and granted, I've been very, very confident about my my belief, of course, in Michigan, when Michigan has the football, being able to take some deep shots, being able to do its thing, specifically against a Cincinnati pass defense that you know last season was no great shake, certainly, but... You know, it only gave up 89 yards against Austin P, so there you have it. But, no, honestly, <laughs> yeah. Michigan last week, uh, all things considered, still put up – it was just 33 points against Florida, and we know exactly how dominant the Wolverines w- were in that affair. You've got a 33-and-a-half, 34-and-a-half point line there in Ann Arbor even so – When it comes to garbage time, when it comes to Cincinnati being able to do some things, I think, in the fourth quarter when the game isn't even there, uh, the outcome obviously isn't even in doubt. That is such a huge number. And early in the season, I don't think that we have simply seen enough from any of these teams from the Power Five conferences to be able to put up. At least I can't have as much confidence to say, yes, Michigan by upwards of 40 points. I don't care if it's in Michigan or not. I can't go that high, Mitch. Can't do it.
0: I know it, you really have to think about just the surreal beatdowns. Like they could win this game by 27 and still miss out by a touchdown. So I think we're going to be in that range. Hardball. It has that tendency to run up the score, but this still seems like a team that needs to feel out some things, like Michigan, to win. Do you big.
2: believe? Do you believe <laughs> in Luke Fickle? Do you believe?
0: Yeah. I, I no, not really. When you put it like that, no. So uh, <laughs> no, I don't believe in Luke Fickle. But all right. Interesting line in a game that is going to have implications. The ABC noon kickoff game is Louisville and North Carolina in Chapel Hill, Ooh. Bradford. The line started at Louisville minus five and a half. It's gone up to 10. Bradford, I know North Carolina lost Trubisky, and I know Lamar Jackson is back at Louisville, but this is a flawed team. I don't think this line makes any sense to me, and I know they will probably win this game, but you got to like the points for North Carolina in this one, Right.
2: I would say so, and that's ridiculous movement. You're talking about that type of movement in a short period of time and I didn't care honestly when it was revealed yesterday that you have Larry Fedora the head coach of course for North Carolina saying oh I haven't settled on a starting quarterback for the conference opener so you know the Cardinals have to prepare for the multiple options there in Chapel Hill it doesn't matter if you're talking about the LSU transfer in Brandon Harris or even the freshman over there in Chaz Surratt this is a a preposterous change really shift if you will in the weather and even with that season opening loss to Cal formula 35 to 30 Harris throwing the two interceptions he was benched then too that is it is an intriguing matchup though to me because I'm thinking about that next tier also in that particular conference who's going to step up who's going to be able to really pound its chest if you will and kind of fill the void that maybe not the void that has been left with the injury to Francois affecting matters there in the or the ACC excuse me but who's going to be able to step up and kind of grab that baton and be the next the would-be you know competitor to a potential Clemson in the grand scheme of things I do like the matchup here I do think that it is going to be down the stretch fairly competitive but I also I look at what Louisville's defense was able to do against Purdue and yes they are the boiler makers but when you're talking about actually turning Some of those turnovers, being able to convert them then into offense, three second-half opportunistic interceptions there. So I know that I'm kind of talking my way around it, but I'm honestly, with each passing day, I'm kind of motivating myself to get more and more invested in this affair because I do think that it has the potential to be tighter than what now – a lot of individuals are
0: forecasting. I know. I, I still think with Purdue giving Louisville a tough couple three-quarters, how Louisville ended the season last year, losing to a lot of games, losing to a lot of teams that weren't exactly elite, uh, highlighted with LSU just spanking them in that bowl game. I think this is going to be Ooh. a competitive game. I like Louisville to win, but I think North Carolina is going to give them a game. And while we're on the topic of rivalry games, we got to mention Iowa-Iowa State. It's an interesting time for a rivalry game. It's some say the most boring rivalry in college football, and I'd probably say they're right, but Iowa and Iowa State taking place at Iowa State this year, Bradford, Iowa. About three-point favorites as of right now. The Hawkeyes going to roll here, or do you like the Cyclones to make things interesting in the, uh, the battle of the Great Plains, as I just made up?
2: I just don't think that you've spent nearly enough quality time, my friend, in the Great Plains. Okay, oh, all you, you too can't much. call. <laughs> all I mean, too much. <laughs> we we're going to characterize it as as humdrum, a, a low key existence there. But for Iowa State, I think the key right here, and I do believe Mitch that they're going to be able the Cyclones. That is that they are going to be able to keep it fairly close, at least going into the third quarter or so. Can the Cyclones? Get the turnovers for which they were responsible, the turnovers they created a week or so ago. Yes, you were playing Northern Iowa. Yes, you were playing an FCS caliber team, of course, but being able to pick off a pair of passes from Eli Dunn, seeing some of the highlights in that game, and then taking them back. For scores too, if Iowa State is able to do that to complement what it is able to do, then offensively as well, this is a team though that hasn't been able to really generate a lot on the defensive end to complement the offense. So if you look at some of the the coaching matchups, if you look at really the side to side matchups and all the ancillary factors here, the fact of the matter is that Kirk Ferentz, he's nine and nine against Iowa State in his career. He's four and five in eight. So everything really is split down the middle in a lot of different categories there. I want to see what David Montgomery is able to do out of the backfield for Iowa State in this one. He was very strong to end 2016, and yet he's still raw. He's still someone who in his first eight games, basically the Cyclones had to mix him into the proceedings. He still has about 130 career carries, and that's it. Mm -hmm. But he's a dynamic playmaker. He's somebody who can potentially get on the outside and give – the Hawkeyes some trouble, so I will say in this contest, I actually like Iowa State to to cover in this sense and make it a game, make a game of it, well into, I'll give them a little more credit even, into the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, it's hard for me to have a ton of confidence in Iowa State, given how they've done. This is a rivalry game, and for whatever reason, this game has been close the last couple of years, even with Iowa being the better team. I still like Iowa to pull it out. I I think they're going to be the team that... Wins the battle in the trenches, and I'm just not buying Iowa State yet again as a contender. But the bright side is, I look forward to talking about this game 30 years from now when Kurt Ferrance is still on the Iowa sideline. So they will be more. I'm going to be
2: texting you. I'm going to be texting you immediately thereafter. Please give me your in-depth breakdown of, of this, this weekend of sports. The, the one contest that I want to revisit ad nauseum is Iowa-Iowa State. But frankly, you know, Iowa was very poor against Wyoming in a lot of different respects in week one. So I want to see a cleaner performance out of the Hawkeyes. So
0: Bradford Bruns, Money Mitch Effect, college football week two, chatting, previewing some games. If we make it to the afternoon with <laughs> all that scintillating football early on, if you can make it to the afternoon. Penn State and Pitt, another-ish rivalry game, but after Pitt, as I said earlier, barely escaped by the by their teeth uh, beating Youngstown State, they have to deal with a Penn State team that fresh off of making the Rose Bowl last year, 21-point favorites now. A lot of hype on this team. They could be real contenders to go to the playoff again. Can Pitt make this a game? I mean, I know this was a game that Pitt won last year, different team, different dynamic, different morale, but do you like Pitt's chances at all?
2: Yeah, that was a heck of a game last season. Wasn't it 42 and 39 taking it back there? Heck of a game. And You're not going to take a lot of great information. You're not going to take much in the way of results following a 52 to nothing win over Akron. I know home state, no offense there, Mitch, but come on. Penn State, we do know, though, has the bona fides here, moving up to number four in the latest national coaches pool. And this is a team with very serious, very legitimate for the second consecutive year, this time being a favorite in the sense that, hey, a playoff berth could be in the awning there, for the team as helmed by James Franklin. What I want to see though from Pitt and Pitt, make no mistake about it is clearly in the underdogs seat in this particular game. It's a less experienced team. It is very much less accomplished and it just is less dynamic in terms of the overall number of playmakers that it possesses Mm -hmm. as opposed to Penn state, the secondary for Pitt you don't have arguably your best player in Jordan Whitehead, okay? He's serving the second of a three-game suspension. And when you're barely able to open the year with a seven-point victory in overtime, no less, against Youngstown State, as we say – it's not exactly boning extremely well for you for your prospects going up and competing against Penn State this coming Saturday. This is Penn State. This is a team that is now the defending Big Ten champion. This is a team that is looking to really put its imprint on 2017 and with that offense with what it's able to do and how it can exploit especially that secondary for Pittsburgh. I've established that I don't exactly like taking points, putting big money on big time favorites here. But in this case, you're talking about a game. All right, right now, you that Penn State favored low to mid-20s, give that all to me. And, hey, even if that crawls closer to 30, mm -hmm, (laughs) all the way in the lines, baby. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree because I think the biggest thing for me is how Penn State can put up points fast. And you mentioned it right off the head, Pittsburgh's defense is struggling, they're missing players, and I think that that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to be on pace to put up 40, 50 points like last year. The difference is Penn State's defense is a lot better, and Pittsburgh's offense without Connor, without some of the playmakers they had, just isn't up to stuff. So I, I, yeah, I hate taking these points. I don't know about 30, but 21, I'm feeling pretty confident that this game uh, is a blowout, but
2: yeah, McSorley versus Brown, at quarterback, too. It's, it's no contest. No contest
0: with them. Yeah, that could probably be Marty McSorley, and I'd still think that Penn State would win this game. <laughs> but uh, I, I Love digress. It. I digress. Another game I want to mention briefly, and that's Arkansas TCU. We get some Power 5 conference teams playing each other. A game where we've had the line move. It was minus one Arkansas. It's now minus three TCU. And I'll be honest, Bradford, I will never forgive. I will never forgive Brett Bielmo for what happened last year in that bowl game (laughs) and I will never pick Arkansas in a close game against a team that's also middle of the road in their conference so give me TCU
2: It's TCU, it's the Horned Frogs Mitch and it's not particularly close for me either. If there's one thing though if you want to actually be slightly optimistic about Arkansas, we all know particularly under the tutelage of Brett Bielema that you actually do so in the months of September and October when the results aren't of as much consequence as down the stretch
0: (laughs) Yeah yeah, we all know how important that Belk Bowl is every year. That's a, <laughs> a good point. But I, I just – this team to me is – I mean, it wasn't even that game. It was losing to Mizzou. It was losing games on the stretch. There's No consistency with this Arkansas team. I think TCU is going to beat them. I'll take Patterson over Beal damn near every time, and I'll keep it going uh, this year. And I do want to mention before we get into the big four night games, Mizzou, South Carolina, you hinted at it before – Open at a four-point line for Mizzou at home. It's now two and a half. Mizzou's a favorite. Right. South Carolina coming into town. Does Mizzou hold them off here?
2: Go with the underdog, which isn't really an underdog in this case. I'm glad you I'm, told me that. I'm sorry, but... and, and <laughs> I'm sorry, but give me Will Muschamp's team to come in and not blow the doors off of Mizzou in the Tigers' own building. But until the Tigers are actually able to prove that yes, we can get a third down stop, we can actually put up a representative defensive effort against the team's legitimate athletes, the likes of which Missouri state a week ago didn't have, and still rolled up more than 400 yards total of offense. And the problem here is that Missouri tends to allow those big plays those chunk plays with regularity. If you're going to do that against South Carolina with a receiver such as Samuel, who basically right now in his junior season, he's ready-made for the NFL. You've got a sophomore quarterback who's also considered to be among the best in the conference too. I just can't buy it because once in a while, and we even saw it last week against the Bears too in that triumph for Mizzou, 70-plus points notwithstanding, there have been times in big-time situations for Drew Locke. I love what he has in terms of that cannon of a right arm. I love his ability to progress through his reads and go down the field, but he has been susceptible in clutch situations to the big interception as well. I think that South Carolina's defense is able to do just enough to put some additional pressure on the junior QB and pulls out a victory. It's going to be by a touchdown or less but give me the Gamecocks marching into the other Columbia and improving to
0: 2-0. You had me at Mizzou as a favorite.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I appreciate really the really?
0: But it was, yeah, as a favorite after that game last week. And to be fair, South Carolina <laughs> beating North Carolina State, I think that has something to do with it too. But I was shocked when I saw yep. this line, and it might be a good time to get on it if you're into that sort of thing. But all right, Bradford Bruns, Money Mitch Effect. Four evening games, three of which feature ranked opponents playing each other. It is no cliche when I say if you really want good football this weekend, just wait till the evening games because that's where the money is at. The first one, while not on par with the other three, still a very good game, a night game in South Bend, Notre Dame hosting Georgia. And that is a game where you talk about Notre Dame having a good debut against Temple, which is Temple, but still. They they looked like they were showing some things there. Georgia comes into the game. Sure. No, Easton will not play, may make the trip, but Fromm's going to be the quarterback, and Notre Dame opened at a six-and-a-half point line. It's down to four. Still a little shocking for me that Notre Dame is a favorite in this game over an SEC team, but Georgia-Notre Dame under the lights. How do you see this one going?
2: I'm mildly surprised as well. Mitch right now by the favorite in this contest, at least as we stand hours and hours before kickoff on saturday evening but it boils down to the fact that a true freshman is going to be starting right for the university of georgia you have it jake Brom, and with all due respect to what his team what he was able to do in the second half following that injury of course to eason last week this is just going to be like night and day i'm sorry when you have eason go down the heralded individual the starter for kirby smart squad and you turn to from in this environment you turn to him against a team that is looking to rebound from despondent 4 eight season. You're going into one of the most hallowed stadiums in all of college football. Can you really expect him to be able to lead Georgia on multiple consecutive touchdown drives again? I think not. And last week against Temple, yes, it was against Temple, but Notre Dame, hey, Winbush was quite good, and he was excelling through the air as well as on the ground. Most of all, though, Mitch, I'm going to be looking for exactly what that running at tandem is able to do for the Golden Domers against UGA. I'm, yeah. I don't necessarily anticipate that we're going to get a combined 285 yards again from Dex Williams, from Josh Adams, but UGA's front seven is going to be challenged. I know they've got some athletes. I know that they've got some size up front, but Notre Dame can put up points in a hurry. And again, with Fromm getting the nod for Georgia in this game, I think that the Georgia secondary is also pretty vulnerable. I think that Notre Dame is going to be able to put up those points to the point where maybe if you jump out to that early lead, you're able to negate the presence of Chubb and Sony in the backfield for Georgia, maybe force the Bulldog into more of those uncomfortable 3rd and long situations. I will go with Notre Dame, and I will go with Notre Dame. This is a bit of a cop-out, but yes, to cover.
0: Okay. Well, I see, I'm leaning Georgia, but I think go Notre ahead. Dame might pull this game out. So I think Notre Dame doesn't cover, but I think the game itself is a coin flip. Easton there would changes a lot for me. You mentioned the vulnerabilities yeah. in the secondary, but the thing I keep coming back to, Bradford, is Brian Kelly, young quarterbacks, doesn't always work out well early on. There's some growing pains, and it was fine and dandy when they're beating Temple by 28 points. Let's see what happens in a close game on primetime. <laughs> so,
2: true. I, this I'm, is a real. This is a real season is. opener. Okay, I'll,
0: I'll say Georgia, but I'm not. I'm. I'm confident in them making it a close game. Coin flip down the wire. I just think Georgia wins this game. But isn't it?
2: Isn't it intriguing, too, that these two blue blood programs, Mitch, are meeting for just the second time ever? You have to go all the way back to the 81 Sugar Bowl. That's surprising to me.
0: Very, very weird. Um, But it is the first of several great games. Another one I want to mention is Stanford and USC. It's actually the latest kickoff of the night. But USC had a little bit of a barn burner with Western Michigan randomly in week one. Stanford had that week zero bloodbath uh, beatdown of rice And here we are, two teams that are fighting for supremacy yet again in the Pac-12. They are going to do battle at the Coliseum. USC, six-point favorite right now. Didn't look perfect. Sam Darnold is hyped up and for deserved reasons, but Stanford always plays them tough. You riding with the Cardinal, or do you think the Trojan horse raises once again?
2: Well, Darnold himself characterized last weekend's performance, at least individually, as a bit weird. And it did take USC a while to get going in that initial affair. But this is clearly a possible very early preview of our 2017 Pac-12 title game. And I love every storyline concerning leading up to this contest, Mitch. The only problem I actually have is the fact that these two teams are playing in September again for a full straight season. I want this a little later in the schedule, but whenever these two squads get together, you usually have an exceedingly tight game. The two programs know each other so well Stanford is finally back from Australia, so you had that one-week layoff. I want to see if that plays any role whatsoever in the early stages of this game. I think not, quite honestly. I love the ability of both of these teams to be able to really assert themselves up front when it comes to the line, to The run-stoppers, both Stanford and USC, you've got some of the best in the conference. You have some of the best in the entire nation there, too, and also note. Take note of the fact that USC, for the first time this year, is going to have that inside linebacker, the All-American Cameron Smith. He's available for a full game. He missed the first half of last week's game, that one-half suspension for the targeting penalty in the Rose Bowl. And I think that actually had a great, great impact on USC in the early going. So USC has that experience in the front seven, obviously. But Stanford, too, when you're talking about the pedigree, when you're talking about what David Shaw's team is able to bring to the table, USC, in the last couple of years, we've seen the renaissance of that program. But what has been the one sticking point that you have observed in the primary rivalry matchups USC hasn't been able to get past Stanford, close games notwithstanding in each of the last three contests. With this game in Los Angeles though, you have to point out that since Clay Helton took over in 2015, USC hasn't dropped a game there. I think this is oh so very tight. You've got six against 14. I think it's going to come down to who's able to actually run the ball a little bit better. I love what Ronald Jones II did against Westkin He had only 18 carries, but he piled up almost 160 yards. He had three touchdowns. And then on the other side, Bright's Love. What do we have in him taking over for Christian McCaffrey? He went for 180 in the Cardinals' initial oh, yeah. game. So this one for me, this one could come down to which team simply has the football last. And I'm going with USC. Call it, again, another gut feeling and gut reaction because I will just side with the home team, albeit with both teams being in close proximity to their individual campuses. I really can't wait for this one. I think this is a potential, Mitch, to actually be the best game out of the big four pack that we're going to see this Saturday. I really do.
0: Let's add another chapter to things ridiculous with the NCAA with suspending a player from the Rose Bowl last year for a half of the week. Oh, I know. I know. Um, But it is what it is, and David Shaw knows USC as good as anyone. He's been at Stanford coming up on 30 years, pretty much, associated with the program. He's seen this team. He knows what they're about. He knows this environment. He will get his team ready. I like SC. I like them to, in a close game early, even into the fourth quarter, I like their passing attack to break down Stanford, and I just worry that Stanford will not be able to put up the points with SC. Same Darnold to make the throws down the stretch. Darnold is... For better or for worse, a nice-in-his-veins quarterback. I, I don't think he gets too high or too low by the moment. I think that helps him in close games. He just doesn't feel f- pressure. Maybe he's just that typical California teenager. I don't know. But in any mm-hmm. event, I think SC is going to win this one. And what I might agree with you might end up being the best game of the day. So we'll see. Good be. We'll see what happens. Well, two more games to get to. Money Mitch Effect, Brad, Money, Mitch effect Bradford Bruns. Auburn and Clemson, 7 o'clock kickoff, Clemson hosting. They played that neutral site week one game last year. Clemson, five and a half points favorites at the moment over Auburn. And a game that I think will tell us a lot about both teams because there's some questions. Auburn in the running for maybe the second best team in the SEC behind Alabama. Clemson now with Francois' injury, Florida State's uncertainty could be back into that playoff picture. Who gets the edge going into this one, Bradford? And do you think this will be a statement win one way or the other?
2: Candidly, I don't think that the oddsmakers are giving nearly enough credit to the defending national champion in this instance. Five and a half right now? At present, five and a half? Mm -hmm. For me, Clemson, Mitch, I know the last season's affair, the opener, that 19-13 neutral site game that Clemson was able to capture, losing only one additional game there en route, to the national championship, that was tight. This one is going to be anything but, in my opinion. Last week, I know it was Kent State, but was that Kelly Bryant or was that Deshaun Watson, a quarterback? At times, I couldn't even tell. He looked every bit the part of a two-time Heisman finalist, but really, it was the entire ground attack, wasn't it? 353 yeah. yards in all during that route. Hadn't done that, actually. Think about how prolific Clemson has been offensively over the last three, four, five years. Hadn't done that, hadn't put up that sort of a rushing output in 23 games and the weapons, they remain plentiful across the board for Auburn. I also respect Auburn a great deal. I think Auburn is going to really, really push a lot of teams in the West this season. Having said that while dominant against Georgia Southern may have a big problem here. You need all of your horses, right? If you're going to run with the Tigers or even come close to approaching that. And yet What do we have? Johnson, the running back, dealing with a bum hamstring. You can give Cameron Pettyway the full load. He can come back. But is it going to take him a little time to hit his stride after he was benched or suspended in week number one? Clemson makes no such allowances. There are so many NFL ready-made players along the defensive line. I expect this team to create absolutely havoc in the opposing backfield, get that penetration, come around the edge. This is going to be a statement in more ways than one for Clemson and also Clemson understands too what it has coming up on the schedule in the near near future you've got a pair of 25 opponents looming you are not going to squander this chance to be able to come out big and make an authoritative Mm -hmm. signature statement at home give me the Tigers and the Tigers from Clemson in all kinds all kinds of confidence there my friend
0: Yeah, I don't think I share the same confidence, but I agree I got Clemson in this game covering. I think Auburn's got some questions to address. Their defense has been very subpar for their standards the last couple of years, and you don't want to go into the game against Clemson with that. The one thing I'll say, though, is that quarterback position. I know with Watson out there, there's big shoes to fill. Clemson's got the playmakers on uh, defense, especially I think they're going to make this game uh, theirs. But I do think this opens the door for an ACC conference that might again be Clemson or Buss, Bradford. I really do. If it's not going to be Clemson getting a playoff spot, I just don't know anybody else can do it.
2: I don't think anyone else comes even close to rising to that spot, Mitch. I'm with you all the way on that front. And also, I will note as well, I think this is a big litmus test, individually speaking, for the new quarterback for Auburn, too. You had him last week, the transfer, of course, coming out of Baylor, and he was strong. He nearly had 200 yards, and he ran for a couple of touchdowns there, too, but trying to build around his strength. Gus Malzahn, he's still trying to figure out, I believe, exactly what he has in the new quarterback there, too. This may not be the best of circumstances for Jarrett not having his full arsenal of weapons around him for this particular Saturday but you never know if Auburn is able to build a little bit a little bit of momentum defensively looked very good on that side of the football didn't allow Georgia Southern to convert any of its 15 third downs I know that you're not going to be able to stop Clemson for uh, even a pair of possessions in a row but maybe you're able to harass the QB Bryant into an early turnover just you know Maybe shake him up a little bit and see. It could be it could be a little closer than we expect, but Clemson just looks so darn good against Kent State that I can't I can't think I can't imagine that it won't be a total trouncing here.
0: Well, all right, one game left. And I saved this for last for obvious reasons, for full transparency. Ohio <laughs> State and Oklahoma at the horseshoe <laughs> rematch of last game in Norman. Ohio State seven and a half point favorites at home. Here it is again, a top-ten matchup between teams 2 and 7, respectively. In the rankings, Buckeyes facing the Sooners. To be honest, Bradford was a little worried and a little disheartened by the first half the Buckeyes played against the Hoosiers. The line wasn't yeah. looking great. The passing game wasn't looking great. But in the second half, they turned it on. They turned it on with the freshman running back, with a defense that continually makes plays. And they play Oklahoma that has playmakers. Baker Mayfield and J.T. Barrett are each, I think, 10th-year seniors. <laughs> ready to do battle again so we'll see what happens but do you like the Buckeyes chances as a prohibitive favorite in this game or do you think Oklahoma can make a game of it and maybe possibly win it
2: love the Buckeyes chances yet again for the second consecutive season Mitch and last year a lot of individuals were wondering okay a relatively not inexperienced but a young fairly raw collection of playmakers players at skill positions for Ohio State what are the Buckeyes going to be able to do in terms of traveling to Norman and really come up or muster a dominant performance well we saw precisely that and really a big big emphasis or a big reason for that was because Baker Mayfield he came out and he threw correct me if I'm wrong a pair of interceptions in the first half he was not sharp in the early going Ohio State was able to capitalize did its thing offensively then with Barrett and company and last week he gave me no indication To think with the exception of that secondary, I would be a little pessimistic if I were you on that front, giving up that many yards, that many points to Indiana. I'm sorry, buddy, but something has to be done about that. The offense though, hey, with JK now the freshman, and then also talking about maybe utilizing, I know head coach Urban Meyer is thinking about utilizing a number of different backs there in the backfield, being able to have that number of options for Ohio State. I really think that what it's able to do offensively in terms of execution, I don't think it will be paralleled by anyone else in the Big Ten I do have some question marks on defense there are going to be some growing pains, and Baker Mayfield is going to make them pay more than once or twice down the field this coming Saturday but Oklahoma State coming into that exceedingly hostile environment coming into Ohio State I'm sorry but for the second straight year I envision Oklahoma coming up woefully short because of the venue because of the crowd because of Baker Mayfield still in my mind with the exception of his premier, premier tight end. And I still, I do think you have to wonder how in the world is Ohio State going to be able to account for him? I don't think that he's going to have enough at his disposal to match Ohio State score for score. Ohio State will be able to come up with enough defensively to turn him over a time or two. I still think Mayfield is going to rush things. He's going to press the issue a little bit when his team is trailing late. So Ohio State relatively late, but still being able to do so, I think is able to, yes, cover at home on Saturday evening. Your Sunday is going to be fantastic, my friend.
0: Hopefully that gets me. Two Brown Steelers, and at that point, I will say whatever this, it takes. I will say this: the the Buckeyes, while deservedly a top four team again, ranking wise, their vulnerability and teams that are going to get them are going to do so by having a pass rush. That's that's yeah. where it happens, and I just don't think Oklahoma is that team, which is why I'm also confident in this game. J.K. Dobbins is one heck of a player. You know, one heck of a debut. I think the best debut a Buckeye running backs ever had. And you parlay that with the fact that I just don't trust Oklahoma's secondary to make the plays, needed to switch the field and give Baker Mayfield uh, enough of a chance. I think he's actually going to have a better game than most people think. I see this game Mm -hmm. in that 37-24-27 range. That's where I see this going. And I think it's a make-or-break Heisman game for both of these quarterbacks because Mm. there's not as many opportunities on their regular season schedule to show out against a top team. So if Mayfield wants to be a true Heisman contender, I think he's got to play great win or loss in this game. Same goes for JT Barrett. But, you know, it will be a different feel. I'm interested to see Lincoln Riley in a big game, too. It's not Stoops Meyer. It's his kid against Urban Meyer. So we'll see what uh-huh. happens. But I feel I feel like that's going to play a factor. This is the first big game he's ever coached in. I like the Buckeyes here in a game where I'm with you. I think halftime it will be reasonable, but second half belongs to Ohio State and Horseshoe, and they win.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this is uncharted territory for one Mr. Riley. And speaking of guys with, it it seems, at least on the surface, excessive number of of years of eligibility, I know that everything's on the up and up with with Mr. Barrett there at Ohio State, but it seems as if, I don't know, just to me, is it just me residing here in the Midwest, residing in St. Louis, that JT Barrett has been with Ohio State forever?
0: Yeah, I think, (laughs) I mean, I know he was a part of that great Archie Griffin recruiting class. Um, I lost track of him (laughs) these last 30 years, but no, I... I, (laughs) It's funny, you see these freshmen that play early and then they get a redshirt year, they get a medical year, you know, with Baker Mayfield too, and you think, Jesus, how long have they been in college? But, this is the year. I mean, this is Ohio State's year to do some things because they're going to lose a lot of talent. I mean, the secondary keeps getting recruited great. They've had two three guys go every year, it seems like, in the first first round or two in their secondary. Their D-line is stacked again, but they got to start, you know, putting it together because there will be some dry periods, there always
2: are, but uh, this is was... jk your bell cow back moving forward or are we going to see Meyer revert to the upperclassmen the upperclassmen who of course did not get all of the reps last year but is very capable yeah. in his own right Will we have a time share?
0: you know weber's good too i think you can have a little bit of a time chair, but it's hard for me to say anybody but dobbins at this moment i really you know coming out of texas playing high level high school ball and then doing what he did we'll see how he does against the better competition but you know, I think there's room for both of them. It's, it's running back, not quarterback, so we won't have a Cardell Jones, JT Barrett thing again. So we'll see. But Bradford, It's a good problem to have. It is a good <laughs> problem to have. Bradford, this was fun. Thanks for hopping on the show. I know we'll be doing this again, uh, hopefully with bigger bankrolls, if some of the odds that we picked play out. But uh, <laughs> thanks again for coming on the show.
2: <laughs> Mitch, it's always a pleasure. Enjoy the action, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.
0: That's it for today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to Brad for Bruns and Ryan Souls, Today's guest, Tim Adam for supplying the beats. Ryan Nelson for supplying the logo. You can find every episode. Remind us, you can find every episode of the series on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud by just searching Money Mitch Effect. You can follow me on Twitter, Money Mitch MT1. And I'm excited. I hope everybody out there is excited for the football season on deck this fall. We've missed it. We've needed it. Ready for college football on Saturdays, NFL football on Sundays and Mondays. Action on Tuesdays and car rushes on Thursday. I think I have that right. But thanks again for listening to the show. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, enjoy sports and enjoy football.